Revelation chapter number 11. I got all kinds of scripture in my mind and, and thoughts and stuff like that. I want to start so many series. It's not even funny, but there's not enough services in a week to start series. So many series I want to do. Um, but when as the Lord leads, we need to finish the series. I really enjoyed the series of the book of Revelation, and I pray you have too. It's been a blessing to me, and I've learned a lot, and I have um, um, been even much more. Um, I have been so much the more um, put into a place of, of to, to challenge me to study even more. This is the 22nd message in the book of Revelation, and um, um, last week we were able to get a glimpse in the temple of the future that will be set up one day, and that temple is very prominent, and that temple one day will be there, and they will inevitably, inevitably put themselves back under the law um, of Moses, which is unfortunate, and I don't know why anybody would want to do that, um, but they will put themselves back under something that God already provided them a way out of, and the Lord help a person that wants to do that, um, and that's uh, turn the grace of God and lasciviousness, and um, God don't like it, God don't like it, and inevitably God will judge and we're seeing that one by one. But they'll put themselves under the old covenant, not even recognizing it. That Christ has already shed enough blood to take care of all the old covenant's laws. And, and what six, I was talking to a man the other day, and I was able to witness to him and, and uh, able to tell him about the Lord. And um, he was constantly going back to the Old Testament. People told him, you know, he wouldn't, wouldn't go to heaven if he was baptized, wouldn't go to heaven if he wasn't circumcised. Uh, it's the craziest stuff in the world, but... Um, the fact is, is that if we line Christ up to the law, Christ said, I came to fulfill the law, not take the law away. And so if he became, that's the easiest way I've found to be able to share the gospel with somebody. And I know I'm talking fast. It's the easiest way to share the gospel with somebody is to take them all the way back to the beginning and say, hey, listen, there's a law that was there. It was 613. It wasn't just 10 commandments. There's 613 commandments. And those 613 commandments, not one man was able to physically or spiritually um, they, they, were, they weren't able to keep it. They, every day, one law was broken out of the 613. If they did good, one law was broken. What Christ did is when he came, you line the law up to him, he fulfilled the law. You line the law side by side with Christ, you'll find he was perfect against the law and everything. And so what he did is he done what we couldn't do, the unjust for the just, the just for the unjust, and um, therefore fulfilled the law. And in that, we who were under the law, we're now put under grace because of him. So thank the Lord for that. But they're going to put themselves back under the law of Moses and uh, not even recognizing that Christ has already come and done what he did. Amen. And so the Lord in this, he sends his, he sends his mercy and he sends two witnesses. And, and he does that to preach the gospel. And the context has not changed. We're still on Jewish ground. And that's where we're going to stay for a little while. Um, we're still in a pause. I mean, it hasn't taken, it hasn't changed from that judgment scene. Judgment scene is not taking place yet. Um, that will happen um, next um, on Wednesday night. But um, here we see a few things in this passage I want to read. And so let's read uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. The Bible says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred threescore days clothed in sackcloth. The last part, 1260 days. The last part of um, the tribulation period has begun. The three and a half years are beginning. And the last part of the week of Daniel's 70th week is beginning as well. So the last three and a half years. And there, these are the two olive trees and two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in, in this manner be killed. 
These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. So, so we understand who did that in the Old Testament. And so, so who, who did that? Answer that. Elijah. There you go. To, and, and have power over water to turn the blood. Who did that? Moses. And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Who did that? God did that. Amen. So there's three working. There's working. There's there's three things that are working there together. Three people that are working. There's Elijah. There's Moses. And then there's God. They work together in the Old Testament. And I believe they're working together right here again. Amazing. And when they shall finish their testimony, when they have finished their, shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Sodom in Egypt. What in the world is that talking about? Well, we have to understand the scripture. We have to break that down just quickly. But that's talking about Jerusalem, if you did not know. And what it was is speaking of the fact that what, what was the sin of Sodom? The sin of Sodom, we understand it was sodomy, right? But what was the sin of Sodom? It was idolatry. It was those types of sin. And Jerusalem is in the midst of that because of the temple that's been built and that's built there. And they're in the midst of idolatry. They've turned from God. They've turned from grace. And they have turned to live in their own fleshly lives. And God says, hey, spiritually, this is called Sodom. They're in a bad place. They're not in a good place at all. And Egypt, that, that's not good either, right? And so it's, it's a representative of Jerusalem is what taking place there. We know that's where Christ was crucified. Uh, it was in Jerusalem. And so, so, so that's the same place that the Lord was crucified. And, and Sodom and Egypt is the representative of it. They called and said, crucify him, crucify him. And yet they turned their wicked eye from the God who loved them so much. And here he is, and now he's got to look on their lives. And he said, they're like Sodom and they're like Egypt, idolatry. And they're living in a life of, of just wickedness is what they are. And these are the people of God. And they of the people and kindred and tongues and nations shall, shall, shall see their dead bodies three and a half Three days and a half, and, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them dwelt, that dwell on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood up upon their feet. And great fear fell upon them, which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies... Behold them. I think one of the saddest statements of verse number 12 is the fact that the, 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 the voice that was up there, they just heard the voice and they couldn't participate with the voice. The voice wasn't calling them to come up yonder, but it was calling them, the, the two witnesses, to come up hither. And so that's a sad day. And the same hour was there a great earthquake. And the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men, 7,000. The remnant were frightened and gave glory to God of heaven. And the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Let's ask the Lord to bless the reading of the word. Well, Lord, we love you. We need your help tonight. Pray, God, you'd give us discernment, give us exactly what we stand in need of, and Lord, help us, God, to discern these verses tonight. We we'll love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we're going to discuss the workings of the two witnesses that are in Revelation, that are in the tribulation here. I'm going to preach on this thought, the two tribulation witnesses. Simple. 
The two tribulation witnesses. <clears throat> Number one, I want you to notice that there's the sovereign, the sovereign role uh, of these two witnesses. Uh, the sovereign role in the, of these two witnesses. Verse 3 through verse 6, we'll go through them in just a second. But there are, they're, they, they're, they're given specific directions and specific things that they have to do. And they have been blessed by the Lord in some special ways to do what they are here to do. And so notice with me in verse 3 and verse 4, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand 203 score days clothed in sackcloth. So their, their role is planned by God. Wouldn't you agree? Their role is planned by God. These two witnesses have been sent by God to this world with a specific purpose, with a, with a special purpose. And I believe we can see what they will be here uh, in the next few verses here. And notice with me, I notice their calling here. It says, it says and, and, and I will give power unto my two witnesses. They're called to be witnesses. They're, 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 they're given the calling of, of witnesses or the name of witnesses. And, and crazy that the same word in the Greek, uh, in the Greek term, that word is Marty's. Marty's. M-A-R-T-Y-S. And that, that it's the same exact word where we get our word martyr from. Uh, and they are here to shed light is what they're here to do. Uh, they're here to shed light. They're here to witness. They're here to testify about Christ. And the finished work of him, and they will give light and they will witness for him. However, they will also give their life. They will also give their life for it. Their calling is to be witnesses. They're witnesses. We've taken the word witness in the modern term and to do what we just did before church tonight. But, but that's not what this word means. This word speaks of a martyr, it speaks of one who will shed light. Who will be a be a be, they'll be a demonstration for Christ and they'll tell about Christ, but they'll also tell give their life for it as well. They're calling. Notice, secondly, I want you to notice their concord. The Bible says, um, they're, they're, my, my two witnesses, and they shall, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days. And these are the two, and, and so the next verse, these are the two. So so they're they're unified. They're a team, right? They seem like they're a team. They're coming there. They're a team for the Lord. They didn't come in division with one another. But they're coming as a team. They have their mind in the same place. They're doing the same thing. They have an objective to do. And they came together with one thing in mind, and that was to preach the Word of God. Uh, and, you know, God seemed to use teams throughout the Bible. That's kind of how God worked. He used Moses and Aaron as a team. He used Joshua and Caleb as a team. Uh, he used Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas. Uh, he used teams in the Bible. And that's just how God works. And with these two witnesses, that just seems to be God's design. Just seems to be God's design. What are we to do? What are we to do in Matthew 18, church membership? When we're, when we're to go, we're to take a witness, right? We're to take a witness. So, so we're, don't never go in pairs less than one, less than two. Um, Deuteronomy chapter number um, 19, verse 15, tells that under the law it was two that should be together. Matthew chapter 18, it's two that should be together. Verse 16. So, so I don't know if that's, that's just how God wanted it to be, but it's just kind of how God's design is. There's two witnesses, accountability purposes, I believe. But they're, they're concord. They're working together as a team. And then what you notice thirdly, their content. Now, now what they're here for, the Bible says, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they shall prophesy. And so they're here for a certain reason. They're here to prophesy. Right? Excuse me, they'll be preaching Jesus. And maybe, maybe, maybe they'll be outside the temple preaching. The temple's here. 
Maybe they'll be outside the doors of the temple about, about, and maybe they're out there preaching about how Jesus has fulfilled all the types and all the symbols. Everything that's already going to take place. However, I do believe they will tell of His death and His resurrection and His return. I believe they'll tell of those days and they will prove from the Word of God that the temple uh, and its worship is vain. Uh, and they will preach the gospel of grace. They'll preach the gospel of salvation uh, through Christ Jesus. And they will tell the people that the Antichrist will come in uh, and desecrate the temple. And these men will be ho- hated by the Jew and the Gentile alike because of the message they'll preach. They're hated. They're hated. So we see their content, their calling, their concord. And then thirdly, I want you to notice their, their, their clothing. The Bible says, and a thousand, uh, 203 score days clothed in sackcloth. Now sackcloth in the Bible is a symbol of mourning. Uh, it's a symbol of, of, of persecution. It's a symbol of mourning. But these men will not come with a message of peace. They'll not come with a message of comfort. They'll not come with a message of hope. Uh, um, but they will bring a message of condemnation of a, and of judgment to the people of God. Jesus is coming, and He's coming soon. And you better get your house in order. You better get things right, because Jesus is coming. That ought to be our plea right now. Jesus is coming, and He's coming fast. And there will be no one to hold Him back. There will be no one to hinder His route. He will be here soon. Their clothing. Then notice their clock, for alliteration's sake. It's a thousand and two hundred and three score days. Three and a half years will be their time. And I can't tell you a beginning point. But all I do know is that the temple will be present when they began to witness uh, according to the chronologically of the Bible. I know that wasn't the right word, but I will say nonetheless, the temple will be built when they begin, I do believe. Notice notice sixthly, their their character. The Bible says in verse 4, these are the two olive trees. The two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And so here they are. They are they're said to be as olive stick trees uh, and as candlesticks. Uh, and olive trees represent that of having oil. Having oil. Uh, and I believe the Holy Spirit will be upon them. I've always had in my mind the Holy Spirit won't be here and I believe the Holy Spirit will move uh, out when the church of the living God moves out. Uh, But when these two witnesses come here, they will have the Spirit of God on them. They will have the Spirit of God upon them. And they are also said to be like a candlestick. Now, now what is that? Well, they will be sending the light is what they'll be doing of the Bible and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, um, they'll be sending the light into a darkness in all of the land. Uh, um, they'll be shining a bright light. Uh, and they will have work to do. However, God will always have His witnesses. He had 7,000 when Elijah didn't see none. He had 7,000. He had Joshua and Caleb when there weren't any. He had Paul and Silas when there weren't any more. God will have his witnesses. And here in the middle of the tribulation, God had his witnesses. Their character. Then I, I want you to notice not only is the role, is their role planned by God, but we see in verse 5 that the role is protected by God. The Bible says, And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeding out of their mouth and devour their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must be in the same manner killed. 
in this man are killed. So, so another proof here that the church is out. It's very clear to me that the church of God is out. You say, why does this have anything to do with the church of God? And why, why, why are you saying that it, it proves that they're out? And they're, This is the middle of the tribulation. We agree with that. The middle of the tribulation has happened. There's three and a half years left at this point. And so if there's three and a half years left, that, there's, that, for the mid-trib people, they believe that they're leaving out in the middle of the tribulation. I don't know where they get that. I don't really care where they get that. They're wrong. Amen. But, but nonetheless, I'll tell you this, is that uh, I believe this is a full-blown proof that they're gone. Because 2 Kings chapter number 1, um, uh, they came to arrest Elijah. Remember that? They come to arrest Elijah, and what does Elijah do? He calls fire down from heaven. That's what he does. So that's the Old Testament under the law. But let's go to the New Testament. They come to arrest Jesus. Jesus told Peter not to do it. Hold on, let's think of another passage. I mean, I don't know. Let's try to think of it. Help me, somebody. I don't know. I think it's Luke chapter 9. Could be wrong. Hang tight, people listening on the internet. I'll be back in a second. Luke chapter 9, verse 54. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, let's, let's go back up, and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, I think this is the right passage, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye, you know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He said, Hey, we can't call down fire from heaven. We're in a state of grace. Which they weren't in a state of grace just yet, but they were at the same time. But, but, but we understand what Jesus is saying. There. What he's trying to say to them is like, What did he tell us? He told us all, all over in the book of Matthew, he said, Turn the other cheek. He said to forgive them. And if they say to them, what, what are we supposed to do? Forgive them 490 times? Yes. Yes, you are supposed to forgive them uh, 490 times and more because you ain't going to keep the count anyways. Jesus said, you're not going uh, to do that. You're not going to do any of those things. Uh, and so forgive and forget about it. Amen. It proves. Jesus never called fire down from heaven and, and he had all the ability to do so. My point is, is in that time, um, Elijah was in there to preach condemnation of the Jews. And then, Jesus was there. Elijah was fulfilled to come back before Christ in John the Baptist. And then, he goes on and he comes back again. And here he is. And he's going to call fire down from heaven again. And what is he preaching? Condemnation. He's preaching condemnation of the gospel. Yes, you're right. But, but I'm just telling you is that, that my point is the age where you forgive and turn the other cheek is gone at this point. It will, it, it, it will be a different scene here. And these witnesses will not be liked. And as a result, many will try to kill them. But these men are under divine protection. 
And everyone who tries to kill them will be killed by them. <laughs> I mean, it's simple as that. They'll have the power to destroy their attackers with a fire from the mouth. It's very serious. Very serious. The role, their role is protected by God. Um, thirdly, the role is proven by God. Verse 6, they have power to shut heaven and it rain not in the days of the prophecy and have power over waters to turn them blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. These two men will be able to use miraculous signs uh, to prove the authenticity of their message. They'll be able to do things under the power of the Holy Ghost uh, um, that they could do back then to prove their authenticity. Why did they have tongues? To prove it was a sign because they didn't have the Bible. That's what it was. I'm telling you that they will be able to shut up heaven as Elijah did. They will be able to turn water into blood and call down plagues from heaven as Moses did. And they will have immense power at at their will, at their dispense. And they will be able to use it whenever they wish. And let me just say, there are many modern preachers who claim claim to to have the ability to perform miracles. Um, they have they have the ability to do this stuff and that stuff. Uh, Greg Locke, um, if you want me to name any, but but he thinks that he can do this. And Dr. Harrison and, and all those wicked men think that they can do that stuff, and they call it some kind uh, of deliverance. But it's nothing but a money scheme. That's all it is. The only problem with them is that they're nothing more than liars. It's all they are. They're twofold childs of hell is all they are. Uh, and they're not healing. They're not raising the dead. They're not doing those things. They're wicked and God is not within miles of them. Uh, they're nothing but greedy, a filthy lucre and that's all they are. Uh, and when these two witnesses come, uh, and they will have a touch of God on them. And I don't even need to explain, but just for the fact that I'm on the internet, and who, who, who are these witnesses? It's Moses and Elijah who did. It's Moses and Elijah, and they are performing the same miracles that Moses and Elijah did in the Old Testament. And we know the verses. You know the verses I mentioned. uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. uh, um, Enoch was promised not to die. In different verses. We understand the law and then represented the law and the prophets. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17, who we have is Moses and Elijah. And so... Nonetheless, the sovereign role of these witnesses. I'm moving on. The second line, I want you to notice the short ruin of these witnesses. Verse 7, um, we'll go through in just a second. These men are killed. They're destroyed. And I believe these verses have a few things to say about that. Notice, number one, the modus, motive of their destruction. <coughs> Verse number 7, the Bible says, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. Shall overcome them and kill them. When they have finished their appointed ministry, when they have fin- uh, finished their testimony, what they were there for, the testimony and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Antichrist will be allowed to kill them. And until that po- moment, they are protected by the hand of God. They cannot be killed until the three and a half years are over. So I'm assuming that maybe this is the three and a half years over. We're told that they are killed by the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. And this could be a reference to the Antichrist. And, um, and he is called the beast 38 times in the book of Revelation. Um, but he ascends out of hell itself, letting us know that he is demonically charged and controlled and nobody else. And, and he will make war against the witnesses. We understand in Revelation chapter number 
20, it says that they're going to cast devil into the into, into the, the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet already are. And so he'll, 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 he'll make war with the witnesses. And he will be allowed to overcome them. He'll be allowed to kill them. But the amazing part of that is, is they will... They will. Their death will be allowed. It's not a surprise to God. The motive of their destruction. Secondly, I want you to notice the message of the destruction. Verse eight through verse ten. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and um, uh, kindred tongues, nations shall see their dead bodies three and a half day, days and a half. And shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the grave. And they that dwell on the earth shall rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. And so their bodies will not be buried. Now, however, the bodies of these men will be left in the very streets where they were killed. And you know, the, the facts about it is, according to the Bible, in Deuteronomy, or Jeremiah, it's in the book of Deuteronomy too. Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 8 and 9 tells us that even the worst of criminals had the right to be buried on the same day. But they're not burying these witnesses. And, and, but, but even the worst of criminals could be buried on the same day. They had the right to be buried on the same day. There is a message here that they're here for. There's a message. And they will lay in Jerusalem and no one will remove their bodies or attempt to bury them at all. And, and t- Verse 9 there. Verse 9 tells us that all the people of the earth will see this eye. They're a silent witness. They're a silent witness. And I remember in my younger years hearing people um, say, how will this happen? How's everybody? Today we see events from around the world 24 hours a day. They say that the most most lag that you're going to have in the technology of that is six seconds. They say that's the most that you could ever possibly have when it comes to satellite technology is six seconds. That's that's mind-blowing, man. That, that is mind-blowing, and it's made it all possible to do that. How do you think you can call somebody in Scotland? Crazy. It's a little bit of delay, I will tell you that. But, but I, I'm just telling you that the, the cable news channels like Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and all of those will probably broadcast the images of these people. Because we know nobody on those news stations going to heaven. And so, y'all with me? Y'all could have laughed a little bit, all right? Uh, Especially CNN. And so all I'm saying is that they'll probably broadcast the images of these dead prophets around the clock, uh, watching them to see. And verse 10 uh, um, goes on to tell us that the people of the earth will rejoice that these two men are dead. They preached and now they're dead and and, and world celebrities. They're celebrate. They celebrate. They celebrate. I mean, they, they act as if it were Christmas time. Think about it. They, they celebrate. They party and they exchange gifts. And, and because these men are dead, why do they do this? The preaching of these two witnesses drove them to absolutely insane. Bless the Lord. I hope my voice gets annoying sometimes. Amen. We, we're talking about a world that rejected Jesus Christ and His blood. We're talking about they, they have turned a deaf ear to Bible preaching uh, and they've given their allegiance to the devil and they do not want to hear anything about God. They don't want to hear, these men have been preaching the truth and their ju- the message of judgment and condemnation uh, has got, people, got under people's skin. Good. Now, now they're dead and the world throws a party. And by the way, this is the only scene of joy on the earth during the whole tribulation. It's the only scene of joy. 
they're happy because God's men are dead. Shame on them. And God's message is silent. What a tragic moment. What a tragic moment. And, uh, you know, and just, just for a slight record, if you could. And th- this world will rejoice when, when, when real old-time preaching is dead. They're going to rejoice. They're going to rejoice when it's finally silenced and everybody shut up. Now, now they love the preaching of the, the crowd that exalts the flesh. They love all that kind of preaching. Uh, um, some of those Joel Olsteins and some of those uh, Stephen Furtick's and some of those uh, Andersons and those types of people. But, but they like the, all, the, all the limp-wristed kind of junk that comes from this uh, people preaching. Uh, it ain't even preaching. Man, I don't care how good their books are. They're in it for the money. If you don't tell what's wrong and what's right, you ain't preaching. This world hates preaching that stands on the Bible. The ones that say, there is no other way. There is no other way. The ones that ever say that, there is no other way. They don't like that. Gets under their skin again. This world cannot stand preaching that closes the door of salvation to people such as you know homosexuals and abortionists and stuff like that. I'm not closing the door because I believe God can save any man. All I'm telling you is the fact is is that they're going to hell. I don't care if they made a profession of faith 18 times before they became homosexual. If they're homosexual, they're deceived by the devil and they better get their life right or they're going to hell. All I'm telling you is that that's what we need to do. This world hates preaching that magnifies the Lord of heaven. They'll be happy when we're gone. Sovereign rule of these witnesses, role of these witnesses, the short ruin of these witnesses. Lastly, I'll be done. I want you to notice the supernatural resurrection of these witnesses. Uh, and so I find it neat that, that these, um, it says here in verse number 11, and after three days and a half the spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood upon their feet. I find it very ironic. I don't know if I find it ironic, but I find it very neat that they stay... They stayed dead a half day longer than Jesus and a half day shorter than Lazarus. I don't know. I don't know. I just find that amazing. Half day longer than Jesus and a half day shorter than Lazarus. I don't know what that has anything to do, but it's an amazing miracle. <coughs> and so I want you to notice a few things about this miracle. I want you to notice, number one, they are awoke from their sleep. Alliteration's sake. They are awoke from their sleep. I don't believe it's, it's not extra biblical though because God does call death sleep. So, so verse 11, And after three and a half days the Spirit of life from God entered into them and there they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them that saw which saw them. The bodies of these men are allowed to lie in the streets of Jerusalem for, for, and, and their bodies turn blue. I mean... I mean, just think about it. They pass through the various stages of death uh, or, or of uh, rigor mortis or whatever you call it. But they, they pass through that and they begin to bloat in the sun of Jerusalem. Uh, and then a strange things happen. Their body begins to move. Oh, man, I don't care how saved I am. I'd freak out too. But all I'm telling you here is that the two witnesses, they stand to their feet and the world uh, trembles uh, in fear. Uh, Why does the world uh, react in fear? Because the fact that these men are alive after being dead for three days uh, proved that what they preaching was real. It was real. Because nobody else could do that. 
It was real. And people know that these men are God sent men. And they, that, that the message that they've been preaching is true. And maybe they have, they have a brief moment in, in their mind where they understand that they're headed for hell. Maybe that's why they have fear. They have a brief thought in their mind. Okay, these people have been telling us we're going to hell. And then they just rose from the dead. Yeah, we're going to hell. But they're not preaching no more. They're done preaching. They have preached for 1,257 days. 56 and a half days. They died, laid in the grave for three and a half days, and 1,260 days is up. And they're fixing to be called to heaven. And when they're called to heaven, Jesus is going to be called to earth. If we take the Bible out of word, I understand it's not chronological. Because Jesus ain't called back to the earth until 19. So, so we have to understand the timing. What's going on here? Is this showing us the three and a half years? And then it's going to show us what happened in the three and a half years. <coughs> So, so, we, so we must understand that, and, and do I could just think about just just the things that took place in this life, maybe the the crazy times when the school shooting in Texas uh, and the school shooting in uh, what was it, Louisiana or whatever it was called, Sandy, Sandy something, what is it, Sandy Run or Rush, Plan, what? Sandy Plains or whatever it was, Sandy something. When, they, when all them shooting was down there and when this happened and when that happened and all the killings take place uh, around that time, do you, do you remember the anguish? Uh, do you remember when the World Trade Center fell uh, and the anguish that took place across this world uh, and the people that called out on God uh, and the, peop- the church houses that were full the next day? Uh, and do you remember feeling as though uh, the world uh, had upreared its ugly head uh, and wickedness was on rampage. Uh, and imagine what these people feel like. Uh, and because the one uh, that they have rejected uh, has just resurrected the ones uh, that have been preaching the gospel to them. Uh, and they said, we've rejected them too long. Uh, we've turned our back on them and hollered at them too long. Uh, and now uh, they will watch it on live television uh, as they raise up from the dead. Uh, and they will see it from their self. Uh, and they are not there they they are interrupted by proof positive uh, that God uh, not man not Satan not Antichrist uh, is in control of this whole thing they are woke from their sleep and secondly they are ascended to their Savior they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them come up hither they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Then, then so, so after all of that takes place, while the world watches the Lord, uh, and God will reenact the rapture of the church in Revelation 4.1, when He says, Come up hither, and John goes up. They'll reenact the rapture of the church and these two witnesses will rise up into heaven and, and the world will see what they missed out on. Maybe they will comprehend in that moment of time what happens when millions of people disappear during the rapture. When the cars started wrecking off the road and the 
planes started coming out of the air. I'm telling you, this world will be given a clear testimony of the power of God. Satan and the Antichrist and the lost man will be reminded that God is in control of it all once again. And they will be helpless to stop this resurrection and the rapture of these two witnesses. They'll be out. They're sending to their Savior. Then I want you to notice lastly where the Bible says in verse 13 and 14, In the same hour was there a great earthquake and the tenth part of the city fell. In the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. The remnant were frightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. So they are avenged by sovereignty. So before the world can catch its breath, before everything has settled down and they've just seen two men fly up to heaven in a plain air ride, a great earthquake will then hit Jerusalem and God judges the city who, did not, who decided to deny Him. This very city, a tenth part of the city will crumble to the ground and 7,000 people will die because of that. We're told that the remnant, the last that verse, the remnant were frightened Gave glory to the God of heaven. I don't know exactly what that means, but this probably could refer to the Jews. It could also refer to those um, who have seen the events that have taken place and they've repented of their sins. They've heard the preaching. They've repented of their sins and called on Christ for salvation. Praise the Lord if that's the case. Whoever it is, they were frightened. And they called upon the Lord and gave glory to Him. Amen. God will use these events to bring glory to His name. Everything God does brings glory to Him. You realize that? Amen. Birds in the air, the grass in the fields, the rain from the air, the trees that turn the leaves up when it rains, all bring glory to God. They all bring glory to God. You notice that all the animals wake up early in the morning. Everything God created wakes up early in the morning. Don't you think it would be God's will for you to get up early in the morning? Just telling you the truth. Don't you think it would be God's will for you to get up early in the morning? If God, every animal God's ever created wakes up early in the morning, I think God, it would be God's will for you to get up early. I'm just telling you. I've never thought about that until the other day. I was looking, and it was like 6 o'clock in the morning, and an animal ran across the road, and I was like, you joker. Turkey. Turkey. I said, man, things up early in the morning. I believe that's God's will. Verse 14 tells us the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. It tells us that even more horrific things are going to take place. We will see those in the near future in this study, but just imagine the horrifying things that will come to pass in these days. Nothing this world has ever seen will compare to the days of tribulation. Lord help. Thank God I'm saved tonight. Amen. However, in, in this day, we need revival. That's what we need. We need revival. We, I'd like to see a swooping move of God across this nation one more again. When you, I'd like to see it one more time, God swoop across this nation and make a move of God. I'm not talking about a deliverance movement. I'm talking about a move of the Almighty. Saving sinners. So, hey, Scottville Baptist, they're doing it right now. God is moving down there. Bless the Lord. We need to hear. We also we must pray for the Lord of the harvest. 
He'd send forth laborers. The Lord will do it in this time with these two witnesses. He'll send two witnesses. He'll send laborers. I'll close with this question. Will you be a witness for him now? Will you be one for him now? These are the two tribulation witnesses. You stand to your feet tonight. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you We for your goodness, grace, and mercy. We ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, to please, Lord, help us, God, as we leave this place tonight, Lord. We pray, God, that everything that was said and done tonight would bring honor and glory to you alone. We thank you, God, for your goodness, grace, and mercy, how you've saved our souls. Lord, thank you for saving my soul. And we ask you, dear God, just please help us as we continue through the study. And Lord, we're, um, we're halfway there. And Lord, we ask you, dear God, to just please work in our lives. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.